Welcome back, everyone. Another week of Taurus Talk here at SG Taurus. I'm your host, Matt LePan. We are continuing our monthly conversation. It is month number two with our friends over at Contractor University and our friend of the podcast, Weldon Long. Weldon, welcome back. We had a great conversation about leadership, and we're really excited to continue the conversation today. Well, it's very nice to be back, Matt. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Always enjoy it. Like I said, we spoke leadership last time, and the response has been so great that we're going to continue right on through the learning path. Section two of the learning path is in HVAC operations, business operations. And today we're giving you the HVAC business operations crash course here on Taurus Talk. Just before we get started, make sure you go back and listen to part one of our now monthly series with Weldon and with Contractor University. Before you get into your operations, you need to set your leadership style. You need to set your core values and everything. Now we're going to get to the operations. Now you're getting your hands in there. You're really starting to take over the business, whether it be in a new role or a new company. Well, then question number one is there so many different things. And I know we spoke a little bit on this last time as you had just taken over a new company last month. Where do you start when you're, you walk into a building and whether you're starting the company from scratch or you're taking over a company from someone, there's so many things that you can start with, but what should you do in terms of starting a plan when it comes to taking over operations? Well, I got to tell you, Matt, I'm the luckiest gal in the world when it comes to that, because <laughs> I have the privilege of working with two of the smartest men I've ever met in my life, Drew Cameron and Gary Ellix. And the three of us, you know, were the founding faculty for mm-hmm. Contract University. And, uh, you know, it's funny because 20 years ago, I opened my first company and I ran it for about six years or so. Then I sold it, did really well. But about six or seven years ago, when we were first putting Contract University together, we were down in Scottsdale, Arizona with our very first faculty meeting. Bruce Madelich and Jeff Madelich were there as well as their staff and team. And we were at this hotel and there was one point in the conversation where Gary Ellix got up at the whiteboard and spoke for about an hour on service department operations mm-hmm. and the KPIs, the processes, et cetera. And when he got done, I'm like, how the heck did I ever even make money in this business without <laughs> knowing what you know? And you know, he told me, he goes, well, you're great at sales and you sell a lot of stuff at high margins and that covers a lot of sins. But it was amazing. I had been in the industry for quite a while at that point, And I realized how little I knew about the operation side of our business. You know, I come from the sales and marketing side. And so when I think about operations and what I've learned from Gary and from Drew, Drew, by the way, was the one that brought me in this industry, hired me out of a halfway yep. house 20 years ago, fresh out of uh, prison. If you know much of my story, I read my books, you kind of know that. I met Gary years later, knew him by reputation for many years and have learned so much of those guys. When I think about operations, the most important thing, like you said, buying a company or taking or doing an acquisition, whatever the case is, tuck in whatever term you want to use. Like you have to build your company around systems and processes. Mm-hmm. You cannot build around rock stars because yes. there's not enough rock stars to take you where you want to go. And most of these companies, smaller companies, they have a great technician, a great sales guy, a couple of great installers, and they they just, you know, through uh, luck and, and, and time and attrition, they end up getting three or four great guys and they can kill it up to that five or $6 million mark. But you run out of great people. And the key is to have the systems in every department, service, install, sales, marketing, finance, everything have a system that you can put mediocre people into and produce outstanding results. Let me give you a couple of examples. As I mentioned, I come from the sales side. So I'm very process oriented to the sales side. We have a very specific sales process that you can learn through Contract University, including the materials you use the kitchen table. 
Yep. They don't just give you a bunch of great advice. And here's what you go do. I mean, we do that too. And I've written, as you know, sales books. One of my books, Consistency Selling, talks about the whole sales process. But through EGIA, in, in the core sales training, we, we teach the principles, but also a, a, what I call a flipbook presentation. Yep. It's a guide. It's a guide to take you down through the call. And when you can organize around a process like that, you'd be amazed how quickly you can hire and get people selling. I'll give you a couple of examples. Last summer, I hired a guy from the Toyota dealership. I bought my assistant a new car for a bonus last year. And uh, not my HVAC company. She works for my speaking company. And the salesman she dealt with was just an outstanding young man. Yep. And I got to talking to him. I'm like, how do you like selling cars six days a week, bell to bell? He goes, I hate it. I love the car business. <laughs> I hate the hours. I was newly married. And I said, uh, you ever thought about selling air conditioners? He goes, I, have not, I don't know anything about it. I said, you don't need to. Just like you don't need to be an engineer or mechanic to sell a car, mm -hmm. you don't have to be an installer or technician to sell an HVAC system. So I brought the guy in, Matt, two weeks of training. One of those weeks was in the sales process. One of the weeks was on doing load calc and some airflow issues and combustion air so he doesn't kill somebody. Yep. The basics that we need to know. His third week he's selling, he sells 50 grand his first week, 150 uh, his first month. That was last summer, at the end of last summer, June or July. He just had uh, his March, $300,000 in March. Wow. This is a guy that was selling cars eight months ago. As it turned out, he was such a good find. I hired a friend of his from the same dealership about a month ago. And same thing, two weeks uh, in training. They have a, we have a sales process. They watch my videos. They learned the sales process, and they're out there running. He's already, uh, he's going to probably put up hundred grand his first, his first two weeks in the business. Amazing. Right? That's a great example of I have a system. I don't need a rock star who's a, a sales rock star or a technical rock star. I can take somebody with great communication skills, some basic communication skills. Here's the process. Go through it, and they can start converting to revenue. And the key is to have processes like that throughout your entire organization. And I will tell you, we're all very fortunate to live in the day and age of all these fantastic software programs. Out yes. There. And I'm not going to single anyone out because they're all fantastic. And what they will do for you is they will force the process to get better. If mm -hmm. you run your company through one of these CRMs, it takes care of the process for you. I, I was talking to our team about some accounting issues and some reporting issues that weren't adding up. And they were like, well, we, you know, it's, it was so hard. There's so many numbers coming in. I'm like, guys. 50 years ago, J.C. Penney was running their, their company, hundreds of millions of dollars in sales with ledgers and pencils <laughs> and erasers. Yep. And you're telling me we can't do that with software and technology? And what software and technology has done is they look at those accounting processes and they mimic them and put them in software where you don't have to understand now. You just put the number in here and it give it good data. It'll give you the right number coming out when you pull the report. If you commit to building your company around any one of these software platforms, you will, by virtue of executing that mission, you will have, by definition, organized your company because it takes care of the process for you. The process right. is built in if you just put the right data in and commit. And I see so many companies, they'll invest in these. They're not cheap softwares. None of them are cheap. Some are more than others. But they'll, they'll, they'll I'll go into a company and they have, I'll find six different systems with spreadsheets that were designed to circumvent the software. Oh, yeah. Right. I'll give you a perfect example. Had a guy one time, the job cost every job, which is great because they pay commission on gross profit and their job costing in an Excel spreadsheet. And, and it was a nice spreadsheet. It was one I actually gave them years before they had refined. And you put the revenue and all the cost of goods in there. You put your equipment, labor, burden rate, finance, and you, you know, you get your job cost. But in the software they were using, if they would just take every dollar of labor, every dollar of equipment and materials and charge it to that job, with the push of a button, it job cost it for you, Yep. right? So they had set up a system because they didn't want to learn the software, so they built a much more complicated, <laughs> much more time-consuming system 
to circumvent the very thing that they want, which is organization. You got to commit to one of these softwares and build your company around that software. Don't let your managers, don't let people build systems outside of those. Force them to do it inside the system. Because now you're paying for the system and you're paying for those people's time to circumvent the system. Right. So you're getting hit from both ends and you're probably not making the profit you should. Absolutely, because the system, if you, if you focus around the platform, it, the efficiencies are built in. So you're paying for mm -hmm. those efficiencies, right? That's why we pay all this money to these software companies. But like you said, if they're still using spreadsheets, you're paying for the efficiency and not using it. And now you're paying for the inefficiencies of not using it. You're talking about the efficiencies and about plugging in the numbers to a system so that it can kind of do the work for you. What numbers should your team have access to? And in terms of the operations end of it, in allowing them to see what's going on in your operation so they have the buy-in, why is that important? And what numbers do you believe they should have access to? Well, this is a deeply, deeply personal issue. Mm -hmm. And you meet 100 contractors, you'll get 100 different opinions on it. I am of the mindset of complete transparency. Yep. I allow anybody in my company, I share it with the managers, our financial performance. And what I always tell them is that if I lose money one month, I'm not going to be embarrassed. And if I make a ton of money one month, I'm not going to be embarrassed. Right. So just understand, because here's the reality. If these companies are run really, really well, you have the exception to 20% EBITDA. Most of us are between 12 and 15 or 16% EBITDA, right? So it's never so absurd to me that they're going to think that, because they think you're making 10 times the money you're making, right? And what I tell them is, hey, if this company runs perfect, the, the owners of the company that we get to reinvest back into the company, by the way, is maybe 15%. That means 15 cents on every dollar of labor, yep. 15 cents on every dollar of install, 15 cents on every dollar of brain damage on service calls and people <laughs> falling through roofs and wrecking trucks, 15 cents on every dollar of brain damage the company gets to keep. Does that seem unreasonable to you? Now I say, well, no. And I'm going to tell you something. The more they've come to understand how to understand cost of goods and they understand that the jobs aren't nearly as profitable as they think, it gives them a whole new insight because the worst thing that can happen is, I'll give you a perfect example. I like to drive exotic cars, right? Yep. But those cars are not paid for through my HVAC company, right? I right. get a company truck like everybody else. My cars are paid for from my speaking and my writing and my books and all that kind of stuff, my consulting, right? But a couple of years ago, there was some scuttlebutt that there were some people very unhappy that they felt like they weren't getting the raise they needed. And I was driving this expensive car. And so I sat down and I said, wait a second. You guys know exactly what we make. You see the numbers. And right. this was a couple of years ago. We were brand new, struggling, you know, trying to build this business. I said, there's no confusion here. There's no way I could buy that car or any car out of, out of what we're making, which is <laughs> next to nothing, right? I have a whole other company. Yep. I have other things going on in my life. And it was amazing how quickly, and I had sales guys come up to me that were like, thank you for clarifying that because we just didn't even think about that. Now, how they couldn't have thought about that, I don't know. I got to communicate the situation. I give them transparency. They understand what our targets are for gross profit. And if gross profit comes in less than that, I can have a staff meeting. Where are we supposed to be? They all know the number. Where were we? It was smaller. What do we got to do? We got to fix it. I'm in an open transparency because I'm not embarrassed when I make money. And I'm not ashamed when I lose money. It happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. And when you have the open transparency and you get the buy-in from folks, right? Like you said, if you're utilizing proper software to get all your efficiencies and get all your ducks in a row and you are using that to cost out jobs and make sure that your labor's at the correct rate and make sure that you're selling at the proper GP and all this. All of those touch points 
your folks will hear about them and they'll say, wow, we have this all in a row. I don't have to worry about circumventing the software. I don't have to worry about doing this, that, or the other because it's all right there in front of them and they trust it because you're allowing them into that world of operations. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. Part of building up your operation is selecting the right vendors that you work with, whether it be who you're buying from, who you're partnering with for marketing, what CRM you're using. How did you go about identifying the proper ones? And for folks out there listening who might not understand how in-depth this process can get, what advice would you have for them in selecting a vendor? Well, I'm of the mindset. I've never been of the mindset of trying to get, you know, not committing to one vendor and working one guy against the next month, a month, a month. I've always been a process. Listen, your vendors are stakeholders in your company. You have a mutual vested interest in being successful. They want you to buy more equipment and be able to pay for it, you know, by selling at proper margins. You, of course, want to earn a living and and grow your company. So I'm a big fan of, you know, fewer suppliers with key, strong strategic relationships. Mm -hmm. We have relationships, our suppliers, for example, that all of our equipment, of course, is consigned, right? So we have access to all this equipment in our warehouse that doesn't cost us a dime until until we need to use it, right? right? And we're doing the same thing now with parts, right? So that we can have access to these things without having the cost of carrying all that stuff. And, and, and you know, 100,000 or 200,000 of these larger companies, maybe a million dollars of inventory in their warehouse. Those strong relationships are key. But to me, it's about committing. Now we have more than one, don't get me wrong, but we have a handful of key partnerships. And because we commit to them, what do you think happens on a Saturday afternoon if I need a part? Or we've all known the situation we've had with, with um, equipment over the last you know three years or oh, so yeah. since COVID hit. Well, now you've got a relationship. I've had our supplier go out of state, right? Go over to the next state to Kansas mm-hmm. to get us a piece of equipment. Why? Because they know how loyal we are, right? So they will serve you. They will do things for you in a way that they may not be doing now if you're not as committed to them. It's a two-way street, that, that level of commitment. Yeah, and from our end of it, right? You know, on the distributor end of it from, from us here at SG Taurus, we love building those relationships and make sure that everyone's made whole because it works both ways, uh, you know, both ends of the street. Like you said, it, I, I love how you put it of having, you know, kind of your, your group of folks that you really commit to, because when you're right. committed and your operation is committed, you're selecting the right people to be committed with. And it's not going to happen overnight, right? You might, you might find someone who right. you commit to that, well, in the long run, didn't work out you move on to the next one. That's again, part that, of the that open transparency. Exactly. I, I w- yeah. We've had some long-term suppliers and uh, a year or so ago, we had to go to one of our key suppliers and say, here's what we need in terms of uh, rebates. Here's what we need in terms of pricing. And we've been dealing with you guys, this company I dealt with my other company. So I had a 20 year history with them and they just straight up told us, they said, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I understand that. And I respect that, but here's what we're going to have to do. So we ended up changing one of our key suppliers. Here's the part that really, really struck me. Once we made the change, they came back and they said, hey, we'll meet that. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I have this guy over here that went out on a limb and believed in me and offered me this. And now you think I'm going to throw him under the bus because now you've come back, you know, and say, well, why didn't you tell me that six months ago? We never would have been here. And so we didn't go back to that first supplier because at that point, the new supplier came to us in such a fashion that we just had so much appreciation for what they did on our pricing and, and different considerations. 
And uh, there was no way we were going to then, so, so we're committed to that and we'll be there for a long, long time. But that's not to say you don't go to your supplier sometimes and say, hey, we got to negotiate here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make a living. I'm not saying you got to lay down and be foolish and just get, you know, get your clock cleaned. But once you have that relationship, it needs to be with the intention of long-term. Doesn't mean you might not change at some point for some financial reason, uh, maybe a log- logistical operational reason you might need to change. But uh, I, I believe in, in, in fewer relationships and stronger relationships. And there's so much more that goes into setting up the operations of a company, but this is such a great starting point. So we want to thank Weldon for giving us all this information and for coming on again. Look forward to talking again with Weldon next month when we'll get into a little bit of accounting practices and all that for our business. Again, Weldon has so much information to deliver to us. Make sure you're tuning in every month as we continue through this Contractor University partnership. Go sign up for an account. Again, check them out, mycontractoruniversity.com. Set yourself up with an account. You can start getting all of the learning, not just what we're giving you here on Taurus Talk. I want to thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and make sure to listen on our website or on our app, sgtaurus.com backslash podcast or click the podcast icon on the app. I want to thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Taurus.